Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. In our chapter from Revelation this week, we are looking at spiritual warfare and about how the dragon wages war against Christians especially. And the passage also has some very well-known parts in it. It's about the mark of the beast and about the number of the beast as well. And these are things which even people who are not Christian talk about. So do listen on and find out what that means. And if you'd like to read the passage before, that might be helpful. It's Revelation chapter 13, the whole chapter. If you haven't seen it already, there is a new video this week. I've finished the series on the Lord's Prayer, but there's a new video on the YouTube channel all about what the Bible is, what the Bible is important, and why we should listen to it. And you might like to have a look at that. Uh, That's up on YouTube. And just to remind you once again, if you appreciate uh, these uh, podcasts, if you appreciate the YouTube, then do consider supporting Understand the Bible. You can support through prayer and you can support financially as well. And there are various different options for that. And you can find out more about that in the link underneath in the description. Thanks so much, everyone. God bless. And I hope to see you again soon. I don't know if you know much about what life is like in North Korea. You know, we talk about North Korea from time to time. Actually, we used to have an open doors poster on the back wall there about uh, the persecution of Christians and North Korea was the number one on the list. The, The persecution of Christians in North Korea is absolute. But I don't know if you know much about what life is like there for just for normal people, for everyone. Um, that actually in, in North Korea, it is considered blasphemous to disrespect uh, the authorities like uh, Kim Jong-un, the, um, the, the leader, if you like, uh, the dictator um, there in, uh, in North Korea. And I remember hearing about one, one woman. Uh, so every house has to have a picture of Kim Jong-un. And, and actually, they, everyone's given a special duster because you know, it's actually considered disrespectful not to keep the picture clear of dust even. And one woman was um, sort of prosecuted because she decided to, when there was a fire, to save her son rather than saving the picture. So just that's what it's like in, in North Korea. It's considered blasphemous to, to disrespect Kim Jong-un or whoever the, the leader happens to be. Now that's a bit like how it, how it, it, it was in the ancient Roman Empire as well, that there was this kind of the, the cult of the emperor. And, you know, you, you, we saw a few weeks ago, you know, you go down to Colchester, Colchester Castle, that was built on the Roman foundations. And the, the foundations were originally for a temple to Claudius, I believe. Um, I think it was Claudius. And so that is, that's the thing, you know, that they worshipped their their emperor and they they worshipped him as a as a a sort of a god now what's that relevant to to this passage well in this passage we're starting to think now about more you know we've we thought about last week about how the dragon satan is waging war and you know that that's what he's doing right now against against the people of god But what we're starting to think about now is how that actually happens, how that works out, how we see that working out in the world in Revelation chapter 13. So that's what we're looking at today. So let's, we're going to go through this passage. There's a lot you could say, as with all these things in Revelation, there are thousands of things that you could point out. So I'll try and go through this quite quickly. 
So the dragon, it says, stood on the shore of the sea and the beast was coming out of the sea. Now remember that the, for the people that this was written to, Rome would have been over the sea. So originally the Romans would have come over the sea to get there. So I think what this is talking about is the empire, is the, the Roman empire. And it talks about how this beast who had uh, 10 horns and seven heads with 10 crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. And uh, one of them, it says, had, um, verse three, one of the heads seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. So again, I think this is talking about the Roman emperors, but particularly uh, Nero, the emperor Nero, it was said he, he died, he committed suicide, but um, there was this sort of myth that he'd come back to life again. So that's what, that's what um, was said about him. And this empire, it said, um, verse four, people worshipped it. People worshipped the dragon, in fact, worshipped Satan because he'd given authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast and said, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Who can wage war against it? It seems impregnable. It seems too powerful to even wage war against it. And that's what people said about the, you know, the Romans. Have you ever seen the film Gladiator? And, you know, it seemed like at times like the Roman Empire was, you know, the most powerful superpower of the day that no one could, could stand against it. Um, and then in this, this next, next part, verses 5 to 10, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies. Uh, so it, it was not just a sort of a neutral thing, but it was actually blasphemous. It started to, uh, to, to say, take upon itself God. If you think about, you know, the emperor worshipping the emperor, that's, that's really what it's saying. It's saying, don't look to God, look to, to me, look to the empire for your, everything that you should be looking to God for you know, for your security, for your wealth, prosperity, all of those things, look to the empire. And um, it was for, it had authority for 42 months. And if you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll know that number. I don't think this is the first time we've seen the 42 months, but it's the same as the 1,260 days, three and a half years, the time times and half time. It's the same number. It's the same number, just in a different form. It just means the whole time between uh, when Jesus first came to his second coming. That's, that's the, the time that we're living in, of course. That's all that it means. And it says, verse seven, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people. Think back to the end of chapter 12 last week. That was what the dragon did. Waged war against God's people. That's what we're seeing the beast doing, the empire doing, waging war. It's the way that the dragon is expressing this war in the world. And um, in verse eight, it says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. And really, I think John is, is saying to us here that there is a choice there that it's one of two possibilities. Either people will worship the beast, the empire, um, whatever you want to call it, or will worship Jesus and the lamb. And, um, and then verses um, 
verse 10, it says, anyone is to go into captivity, or to captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Now, we know through history that many people have, many Christians have been martyred or have been uh, imprisoned for their faith. And you can see that go, that's going on today. You know, it's not something that's happened years ago, but it's going on right now, all around the world. Um, that's what's happening. And it's, it's a fair warning. Now, we shouldn't be surprised when we see these things happening, because this is how the world operates. And especially as John is warning us about, this is how these empires operate, that they actually end up persecuting God's people. Uh, and then we have this, so the second half of this chapter, there's the beast out of the sea, and then there's the beast that comes out of the earth. So I think what this is saying is that, you know, you think about Rome, there was the emperor over in Rome, you know, uh, and, but then as they came over, the army came over, they conquered, and then they would set up a local sort of authority. You know, they had the proconsul, they had, if you read the Gospels, you know, the Roman, um, it was a pilot, wasn't it? He was the local um, part of the empire, if you will. And I think this is what it's talking about. It's, it's saying that that's how it, it, it happens, that, you know, they, they move over into your land and then they set up there. And this is, this is why the beast out of the earth is, uh, is, is coming. And it said it had uh, two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. So it looked like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It looked like the lamb, and we know, of course, what the lamb, who the lamb is, but it spoke like a dragon, and we know who the dragon is. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing, you could say, and that was the, the way that um, Jesus, the, the phrase that Jesus used, uh, for example, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. This is exactly what it's looking like. It looks like a lamb, but it's actually a dragon. It's powered by the dragon. And uh, it says, it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. It sort of did this, it's this sort of counterfeit religion. It wasn't just a, um, a kind of, again, uh, entirely secular, if I may use that word thing. It was a counterfeit religion. Think about Moses, you know, in the court of Pharaoh. He threw down his staff uh, in front of Pharaoh and it became a snake. And then Pharaoh got his magicians in. They threw down their staffs and that became a snake as well. It's this counterfeit sign, counterfeit religion. What does he do, this, this beast do? Uh, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth and ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. You think about Nebuchadnezzar. We had this passage just recently, didn't we, in the, on a Sunday morning. Nebuchadnezzar set up the great big statue and caused everyone to, to fall down and worship it. And again, um, Nero did the same thing, that he set up a 90-foot high statue, I think, um, and you know, enormous great big statue. Uh, a lot of the emperors did that. And if you go to the, the other, um, during half term a few weeks ago, we went to the British Museum. You go down, you can look there, you can see um, all of the, the rulers through history, you know, ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, they, they set up statues. That was what they did, you know, because they wanted to say, I'm important, I am the, I am the one. 
And, um, and then in this final, final few verses here, verses 16 and 17, it talks about the mark. So it says, um, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So that people could only participate in society unless they demonstrated their loyalty to the, this kind of counterfeit religion, to this religion of the empire. They could only participate in society if they demonstrated that loyalty. And the, I think the mark is um, not a necessarily a physical thing, it's just an expression of loyalty, isn't it? And who is, who is he talking about, this verse 18? This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Um, it's become a bit famous, this one, but who is it actually referring to? Well, I suspect it is Nero, the emperor, because uh, apparently this was a common thing in those days, that if you, in um, Hebrew, the Israelite people, they used to do the num- number thing, because they didn't have... Uh, they didn't have separate numbers. You know, we've got one, one, two, three, four. You know, they didn't have separate sort of characters for their numbers. They used letters. And so they used to calculate the value of people's names. And if you take Nero and then translate, transliterate it into Hebrew and add the numbers together, it comes out with 666. So that's probably who he was referring to, is to the Emperor Nero. And of course, you think Nero was a great uh, persecutor of Christians. The Christians who were thrown to the lions happened under Nero. There was a, a fire in Rome which he blamed on the Christians and, uh, and so on. So the persecution of the empire really hotted up under Nero. And he was the worst, actually, when it came to, to persecution, or one of the worst. So let's think, I know, I know that there's a lot in this. Let's just take a moment to think about, uh, to think about this more generally. How does the dragon, Satan, deceive? Because we know that Satan deceives. How does he operate? How does he he operate in the world? It's by setting up earthly gods. That's that's a a primary way that he operates. And there have been countless examples of this through history. The Roman Empire, of course, you know, the emperors claim to be gods or, or what have you. But you can see it around the world as well. I mean, I mentioned North Korea, but I'm sure you can think of other examples where there have been dictators, there have been people who've claimed to be higher than they actually, they actually are. And the message for the Christians of the day that John was writing to was to choose your loyalty. Now, are you going to be loyal to this empire, the cult of the empire, where you know, the worshipping the emperor, worshipping the empire, you know, to keep you safe, to give you prosperity, to give you everything, just so long as you worship. You know, think of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he just wanted them to fall down and worship the statue. He didn't say, don't worship other gods. He said, just worship me and whoever else you want, and that will be fine. Um, that's how it always works. And we need to choose our loyalty. Now, will we worship the empire? Will we worship whatever earthly gods there are? Or will we worship... The true God, will we worship Jesus? That's the choice that we have as well. I think the, 
The interesting question to think about, really, is it's, you might say, well, you know, Phil, that's all very well happening in other places. I mean, there was Nebuchadnezzar, there was North Korea, but we live in the United Kingdom. You know, we don't have that here, do we, in, in the same way, which is true. At the same time, I think, can we see signs of it happening in this country, even in a small way? And I think maybe we can. There was a politician, uh, Nigel Lawson, he was an MP. He once said, uh, the NHS is the closest thing the English people have to a religion. It's interesting, isn't it, you think about that? Because I think he was right. Who is it? You know, have we been asked to clap for God in the last couple of years, to go out on our front doors and clap for God? Have people got bumper stickers on their cars and rainbow flags in their windows saying, thank you, God, for keeping us safe and protecting us? It's the NHS, isn't it? And as much as you know, we value the doctors and nurses and the work that they do, that actually we know that it's God who saves us. And I think that you know, British people are being encouraged actually to put their faith in something earthly rather than something um, heavenly, godly. And it's, it's this inaction, even perhaps if not, if not in a full-blown way. But there are also ways in which um, many Western governments are taking more and more control. Um, and, you know, the whole mark of the beast thing, that you can only participate in society if you, if you have the mark. We're starting to see that happening as well. Um, and, uh, you know, they're talking about things like, for example, um, central bank digital currency, you may have heard of this, where they will control all of your money. And so if you spend your money on certain things, they can say, well, we don't, if we don't like you being a Christian, we can take your bank account away. Now, folks, that's not, that's not happening now. But we are in a time now where technology will enable that to happen. And I just want to say, you know, we shouldn't be surprised if we see these kind of things happening, because that's how the dragon works. That's how that ancient dragon works, you know? And um, I think this was written, Revelation was written, so that we wouldn't be surprised when we see governments, when we see states acting in this way, acting in this kind of um, totalitarian way. So this is the warning for us, that, that states, that empires, nations, governments, they will oppress Christians. That's just what they do. They will make claims to be godlike. And the challenge for us from Revelation is, are we willing to stay loyal to Jesus, even if it means persecution? And that's, that's the, the big thing that I want you to take away from today. I know that, you know, whatever you think about what's happening in the world, that actually that we need to stay loyal to Jesus. And we need to be wise to the way that the serpent is working in the world um, and keep our eyes open and stay, stay loyal to Jesus. As it says... This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So let's keep our eyes open to the, the ways of, of the dragon. Let's ask for God's help in staying faithful to Jesus and sticking with him no matter what. Let's take a moment to pray. And so, Heavenly Father, we do um, pray that you would help us to, uh, to endure patiently and to stay faithful to Jesus no matter what. We pray that you would give us the wisdom and insight to see uh, the ways that, that the, um, the dragon is working in the world. And please give us the strength and the courage to stand firm where uh, we need to. 
And please give us, Lord, courage and faithfulness to you. And as we think about ourselves, Lord, we also turn to think about other countries where this is happening so much more. And we do pray, Lord, for your people and for your church, that you would grant them strength and that you would grant them courage to stand firm even among um, the, the worst persecution. And we pray, Lord, for your, uh, that we may be um, sympathetic, that we may pray for them and be faithful in prayer for them too. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.